and welcome to Live, Laugh, Eat, episode 13. And in this episode, we want to talk specifically about training. Because although we touched on training in episode four, where we were talking about muscle gain, we haven't actually had a whole episode devoted to it yet, which given that we're not only nutritionists, but also personal trainers is a bit mad, really, but we're doing it now. (laughs) That's the main thing. So I will say before we go into the nuts and bolts of today's episode, we are going to talk largely about weight training with a goal to build muscle and strength, because really that's our bag, that's our area of expertise. But I think there will be some stuff in here and a lot of general principles that actually will benefit you regardless of the type of exercise that you do. So anyway, let's get straight into it and introduce today's guest who I couldn't really have a podcast where I talk about training without having her on, largely because she'd kill me if she found out I did. So please welcome back to the podcast, Lucy. How are you doing, Lucy? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. I feel like we haven't caught up for a little while. We haven't. I've got so much to talk to you about, actually, because you've been on holiday, right, recently? Yes, I I may or may not have been to Benidorm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you know what? So if you're not aware, if you don't follow me on Instagram, basically, I have recently developed a bit of an obsession with the TV program Benidorm. They're running all the old episodes on Netflix, and I absolutely love it. So basically, as a little present, my boyfriend bought us a trip to the hotel where a lot of the series is filmed. So I basically went away and lived my best Benidorm life for five days at the Solana. If you've watched the TV program, you'll know. Tried to hire a mobility scooter but so I could be like mad trying by the pool. But I couldn't do that because apparently you have to be either over 55 or actually disabled. So they wouldn't let me have Like, did you have to show some kind of proof or could you just say like, well, I'm just I just look great for my age. Like, (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I wasn't that sharp at that point. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was brilliant, actually, because when I posted that I was over in Benidorm, I just had all these messages from people saying, are you okay?" Did someone kidnap you? What happened? Are you safe? (laughs) But no, do you know what? I went and it was such a laugh and I 100% would go back. It was so hot as well. Like obviously in the middle of that heat wave. So we ended up just kind of chilling by the pool for quite a big time. That's nice though. It's really nice to do something, like do nothing actually for a change just because... I used to be one of these people that I'd go on holiday with like my agenda, my itinerary and, you know, want to do all these things. And I find that the older I'm getting, the busier I'm getting with work, the more I just appreciate a chance to do nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what? When when I was like in my early 20s, I remember speaking to someone at work and saying, I can't imagine going on holiday and lying by a pool. I'd be so bored. And he was like, that's because you're like 22. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, wait till you're until you're my age and now I can't imagine doing anything but lying by a pool on holiday oh honestly it's just my favorite thing about holiday is that there's no concept of time like time doesn't matter because everything in life is so normally so scheduled isn't it be this place at this time this call at this time this meeting at this time so the fact that you never ask the question what time is it unless it involves getting some food I was just gonna say like that's that's the only thing that we get up for is the breakfast buffet yeah (laughs) yeah you don't want to miss that it is like (laughs) gotta get up for that (laughs) Yeah, yeah but yeah it was great how have you been anyway Lucy what's new in your world I've been good oh no I feel like every time you ask me this I have nothing to say um for lunch was it nice <laughs> I had a great lunch I had a really good lunch I actually remember doing a check-in on my on my form my check-in form with you and one of the questions is what's what's good in life at the moment I don't know if you remember this but I used to write <laughs> what did I used to write you used to put that it was good that you hadn't shit yourself this week <laughs> shit yourself in public <laughs> yeah specifically <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know what's good. Um, well, I didn't shit myself. That That's good, right? It's, it's always a good week when you don't shit yourself. <laughs> it's very apt that this is following a podcast that I've just recorded with Chloe, where um, she talks about not only her Crohn's, but also the birthing experience. Mm. <laughs> I feel like we're we're giving the podcast listeners more than the than they ask for in terms of poop chat. So maybe, yeah, maybe we should we'll just move on from that one. Moving on. <laughs> so yeah, today we are talking all about training and making the most of your workouts, which is what I actually think I'm going to call this podcast. We didn't really have a name for it. I said to Lucy, what, I was, let's do a podcast on training. What do you want to call it? And she said, stop training like a pussy. But I don't feel like <laughs> that podcast name is quite as PC. So we'll go with making the most of your workouts on the basis that I don't want to get banned from Spotify. already. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess if we kind of just start by rolling out some stuff that's going to help people really make the most of their training in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how can people make sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they are getting the max out of their sessions and some things that maybe, you know, we advise our one-to-one clients of that other people who aren't clients might not have thought of. So Lucy, do you want to just start? Do you want to throw one out there? What, what would you consider if you're going in and weight training? Mm. Name me one thing that you'd make sure that you're focusing on. I think the first thing is to not train like a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I told you, Lucy, we're not calling the podcast. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Let me think of a better way of saying that. (laughs) It's true, though. It's true. true. Right, yeah. Yeah. I think if you really want to go for muscle gain, if you're, you know, really serious about it, actually going in with intention into the gym, you're not going in and kind of just going from machine to machine um, without a plan. Mm. Um, you're actually thinking about what you want to achieve um, and, and thinking about your exercises very carefully and your exercise selection carefully. Um, and so I think that's the first thing is that if you don't have a plan, you need one. Yeah, I think, you know, don't just go in and expect results to happen. You have to make a plan of how you're going to get those results. And the first thing is your your actual training. So what is what does your training program look like? Yeah. And also, I would say how to add to that, like, how does that training program progress? Like, are you logging? your loads each week are you actually you know making sure that you are sticking with the same exercises for time and you're not just going in and doing a different thing every single week you know like if your goal is to build bigger glutes and you're going in the gym doing just a different thing on a different machine or a different hit workout or something that you've downloaded online and you're not sticking to that for an extended period of time like you know, you can stay on a training program. I've had clients, like, despite me asking them, do you want to change up your training? Are you bored yet? Because I don't want people to get bored on a program. I've had clients on the same training program sometimes for six months because we're seeing such good progression on it. We'll change certain rep ranges in there and we'll add some intensifiers to exercises and we might put a slightly different variation. Okay, instead of a dumbbell, let's move that to the cable machine or vice versa. But ultimately, you know, because it's working and because we're seeing progression, we keep them on it. I think sometimes that is a really big mistake that people either go in without a plan or they just do something, they change it up way too frequently. I think that's the thing. It's that kind of that myth of like you need to shock your muscles Mm. for them to grow or something. Um, And it's it's so not true. Like I I stay on the same training program for, yeah, about six months, I would say. Um, Because I think once you find something that's working, there isn't a reason to switch it up. Like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. And there are so, there are only so many exercises for one <laughs> yeah. muscle group, right? Yeah. Um, but it's like you said, you know, of course, I think the biggest thing is people might get bored of their program, which will mean that they'll become less consistent because you're probably going to be less consistent on doing something that you don't enjoy. But otherwise, you, you don't need to go in there. You shouldn't be going in there doing a different thing every week and you don't need to change it up that frequently. Yeah. But what you do need to do is make sure that you're progressing. Yeah. So when I say like train with intention, even if you can't progress the weight, even if you can't lift heavier, even if you can't do more reps, that should be your intention every single workout when you step into that gym. 
Yeah. And the thing is, your loads aren't going to go up and your reps aren't going to go up every single week on every single yeah. exercise. It might be you end up staying at the same load, like being stuck at the same load for absolutely ages. Like, for example, yeah. with me at the moment, when I do a dumbbell shoulder press, well, I can get, you know, I can do the 16s for sort of 10 reps. When it comes to moving into the bracket of the 18s, I can do that for two reps. But you know what? Every single session, I either pick up the 16s and I'm like, right, I can get 10 reps. Can I get 11? You know, and I'll build it up that way. Or, okay, if I'm going to do the 18s, can I get three this week? And then I'll go back to... And actually, when you start to really have a plan and engage with your training in that way, it does actually start to become more fun. Like it is boring if you go in without a plan and just flip from machine to machine. But if you are actually challenging yourself and pushing yourself on something, like you're not going to love everything. I don't feel joy when I'm doing my Bulgarian squid squid cross. (laughs) No, we said we weren't talking about poo. (laughs) Not the squid cross. That's something something completely different. I bet the person using that bench doesn't feel joy. You are wiping the machines down, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, how unsanitary. But no, um, <laughs> the split squats, I don't enjoy them, but I do enjoy the buzz of seeing the progression in those as well. And again, if you've got a good coach, they will engage with this stuff with you. Mm. But it's also, even if you've got a good coach, it's also your responsibility to feed this stuff back to your coach. Like I say to my clients, I, I don't have time nor desire to go through every single lift on your training log every single week, but I will because of the way that we track training on the training tracker, I'll be able to see the overall trend. So it's up to you. If you're stuck on an exercise, you're stagnating on that exercise. Well, feed that back to me, Laura, I can't get beyond this weight on this. How do I do it? You know, mm-hmm. so you also, you can't just go, oh, my coach doesn't give me that thing. You need to engage with your coach about your training as well. And I am always happy to hash it out, help people progress, you know, because you can probably hear it in my voice now. And same as Lucy, when we're talking about it, we love training and there's nothing there's nothing that makes me more excited than a client that says how can I work harder in the gym love that absolutely love that I think that's a really good point actually like it it should feel hard (laughs) I think that's one of the things that um I, I always I always notice this when um I would give like inductions at the gym and you know when you're trying to get someone to to feel the the weight they should be using right and the amount of people that go, oh, that feels hard, I'll stop there. And you're like, no, <laughs> it should feel hard. This should feel difficult, right? Um, it shouldn't feel painful. It should, you know, not in the kind of like... It depends I'm- though, right? Because actually you get more used to that pain. But I would say if you've never lifted, I mean, most of the people listening to this podcast are going to be experienced-ish lifters. Yeah. Um, but even then, so many people come to work with me. I'm like, right, let me teach you how to really lift and really push it. You know? <laughs> like, it, it I is. Should, I should clarify it, it, a bit. Feel, it shouldn't like, feel painful in your joints. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. Like muscles or joint pain, but it should yeah. feel like, you know, oh God, there's blood going through. Like, it should, pump, yeah. it should burn a bit. It should feel yeah. like by the time you get to the end, like your last rep, you don't want to do any more of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it should feel yeah challenging whereas I think you're right so many people the second they start to feel that pump or that little bit of like hurt that's when they check out whereas actually I think it was um Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't it that it's like he counts his reps from when he feels that rep that hurts now I'm not recommending that as an approach but if you think you might be training like a bit of a pussy try that for a week and see how see how hard you can train like test yourself do you know what I mean like sometimes actually it's really good to not be too scared in the gym see your capabilities um, yeah thing that happens you get a bit sore and you have to have some Epsom salt baths like don't injure yourselves guys but you you're probably capable of a lot more than you think you are in the gym yeah absolutely and I think like I've I've heard before as well like the best bodybuilders so the people who who gain the most muscle are the ones that who have the highest pain tolerance yeah yeah, it's really um, interesting, actually, like some of the studies around like people's perceived failure in their heads versus their actual muscular failure, you know, like the kind of studies where they force contractions. 
Yeah. And and for some people, and it actually it's really interesting because they do a male-female divide on this one particular study. And basically the females tap out a lot sooner than the dudes do mentally. Really? But that's really yeah. funny, isn't it? Because I don't know a single guy who could do my leg day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's, think a I that's a challenge. I don't think I could do your leg day, to be fair, Lucy. <laughs> your leg days are particularly savage. Um <laughs> But no, I think it's a, it's a really a really valid point about making sure that that training intensity is there, and that actually kind of feeds onto one of the the ones that I was going to raise, and that is making sure that you are taking your rest times yes. between sets and actually timing your rest as well. Because again, it's amazing how how sometimes you can think two minutes has passed and it's actually only been 30 seconds that you sat there and what I would say is time your rest and straight away that will tell you if you're ready to dip back in pretty quickly you've probably not pushed too near to muscular failure in that step and likewise if you're struggling to get the loads up that you lift in the gym while timing your rest or even adding on a little bit extra rest extending that rest period can really make quite a substantial difference to being able to make that load so you know for example for me actually one of the things that I found really helpful is I'd always given myself sort of two minute rest times and when I was looking to really sort of progress strength and I was eating a lot of food I actually extended that rest time to three minutes. So I dropped some of the volume out of my training program because otherwise, I, you know, I had to knock some sets off because I've always been, been there all day waiting for three minutes. Mm-hmm. But it made such a difference that extra, even 30 seconds, or sometimes it was two and a half minutes, but, you know, that 30 seconds to a minute made a monumental difference in the numbers that I was able to hit. Because again, like... Yes, we can like speculate on these things, but we're working on the assumption that you're training to a certain intensity. We're not actually measuring that because that requires you, it's subjective. It requires you to go, right, I think I'm training to failure or I'm training a few reps out from failure or whatever. So because of that, it's worth playing around with your rest times if you do find your numbers are stagnating. And, and you know, again, feed that back. I feel like actually my workouts, I come out with a better pump and feel like more successful in my workout. My numbers are going up more. My form seems to improve when I have slightly longer or slightly shorter rest. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, we can play around with the, the rep ranges that we keep you in. Mm. And um, you don't have to use the same rest times for your whole workouts, you no. know, like. That's, so for my my heaviest lifts, it's at least three minutes, actually. Three minutes doesn't feel long enough, you know? Yeah. But then for kind of what I would say are more accessory lifts, like maybe like a kickback or something like that, I don't need three minutes. So, you know, one and a half is okay for, for something like that. So it, it definitely depends, right? But like you said, you don't have to spend all day in the gym, but you can be quite smart about where you're taking the longest rests and, and shorter rests. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm a big fan in my programming, actually, of either having, like making it quite clear. I call it heavy work and like bro work or you know, <laughs> I mean, like volume work. So work. <laughs> for example, I might start the session with two exercises where I know that person is working on progressing that lift or getting those numbers up. So like a deadlift and a hip thrust. And we might have a three minute rest time for them. But then the rest of the session might be like sexy supersets. Do you know what I mean? So it's like with like a minute rest in between, it's like super bro, get a good pump because you can, you can do that stuff with your bicep curls or your rear delt flies. Like you're not going to be resting for three minutes between a set of bicep curls, really. Um, So yeah, Lucy's right. It is, again, a a good coach will have that in the programming. But if your coach has given you a training program and you're not following the rest protocol or timing your rest, well, hello, start doing that. (laughs) Because that Mm -hmm. will make, it's, it's not there by chance. It's there for a reason. And likewise, you could even split it out so that you have heavy days and then pump days in the gym, you know? So, for example, um, sometimes if somebody's dieting, I'll time that around their refeed. So I know that they got to go in and do a heavy day when they've got a lot more fuel in the tank, for example. Um, And then, you know, on those days you're a bit hungry, well, it's easy to go and bosh out like some high reps, light sets of like the more sort of fun accessory exercises. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there's really no right or wrong way to do it, but I think it's just having an awareness of how much you're resting and how that's impacting your progress in terms of the numbers and the reps that you're able to complete in the gym. And also mm-hmm. the connection that you're feeling to the exercise as well. Because like we said in, I think it was episode four, wasn't it? We said it, it doesn't matter how good your workout is on paper if your execution of it is not good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know what, actually, speaking of supersets, I've got to tell you this little story. So years ago, I had this client and I'd written her a superset and like, there's a little key, but she obviously hadn't read the key. So it says SS. Like if I, at, at that point in time, the training program said SS, if I wanted you to do the exercise as a superset. Anyway, I can't remember what it was. Now. It was walking lunges and something else. Anyway, we get on uh, we get on a check-in phone call, actually, and she said to me, she went, Laura, I just, she said, I've been trying really hard with this new program, but the problem is I just can't do my lunges any faster. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, SS, super speed. <gasps> <laughs> and, oh, do you know what? I never want to laugh at anything a client says. But I just burst out laughing on that one because I just have visions of her rushing around the gym like the freaking Duracell buddy, trying to push out these lunges as fast as she can because she hadn't read the key and she thought SS was super speed. (laughs) So, yeah, there you go. And bless her. Like, she's trying to progress on that. Yeah. She's trying to do it faster every week. She's sprinting around the gym. I thought you were going to say she was doing, like, two exercises at the same time, like, trying to do (laughs) I don't know. I don't, to be fair I've seen some people doing some things that are similar in my uh-huh. gym yeah like, too. like holding dumbbells over your head whilst you walk on the treadmill and god knows what the other week I saw someone on a yoga ball they were kneeling like both knees on a yoga ball whilst doing a single arm kettlebell press and it was and I had to like walk past each time to get the spray. And I'm like, that's going to go on me. You're going to roll on me. You're going to roll off. Like, in my head, I always try and give people the benefit of the doubt when I see them yeah. doing weird shit in the gym. Because I think, well, you don't know what someone's training for. Right. Do you know what I mean? But like that one, like unless you're a circus performer, I genuinely, <laughs> like if you're listening to this podcast and you know of a reason why someone would do that, genuinely tell me because I'm open to, you know, being told and corrected. But yeah, I cannot think it, of any reason. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like, I, I, I'm thinking you, you're, you're trying to train for stability, but you don't need to. Like, no, that's not. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Do you know what? I remember though. Actually, I had a real thing about um, when I was like back in the day when I worked in the gym. You know, like between clients, you just muck about and do stuff, don't you? And yeah. I can remember at one point in time, I got I. I had managed to teach myself to stand on top of one of those exercise balls, like stand up on it. I was well impressed. My balance was so much better back then. I could just like stand on one leg. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I remember like for ages, like kneeling on top of the resistance ball. And then I kind of built up to a stand. So I was probably one of those people doing weird shit in the gym at some point as well. Why? Why why did you want to do it? I actually don't know. (laughs) To say I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm legit. I have no to show off. I don't know. But for like whatever a, like reason, a, I thought like a party trick, it. isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. So what's your special talent? I can stand on one of them balls. Yeah. But when <laughs> do you ever have one of those to hand? Well, funny you should mention that. I've brought one to yeah. the cocktail party. <laughs> Blowing it up. Yeah. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Just gotta pump this up. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as we were saying, so it, it is about making sure that you take appropriate rest times that enable you to push up the weight. But already you might be listening to this and going, yeah, I'm really not actually just focusing on my training. And that's OK, by the way, you don't I don't go through all periods all of the time doing all of this stuff. Sometimes I go through phases where I'm just kind of cruising with my training. And actually, like I recommend that one for if somebody's hit a low motivation point, I recommend one of two things, either really putting in the structure and hamming down on logging your lifts and stuff like that can be actually quite helpful. If you engage more with something, you're Mm -hmm. likely to be more motivated with it. Or 
if that lack of motivation has come from a bit of burnout and we need to put the fun back in training, I say step away from the program. You know, like, for example, at the end of a bikini prep, when somebody's first entering the off season, I'm like, we need to put the fun factor back in here. So I just want you to go in and just do the stuff you enjoy doing. Yeah. So I used to have that with a client. We'd have a muck around day. Yeah. We'd have a day where she would just go in and just, you know, just have some fun, just do some, you know, use some of the machines that were quite cool yeah. or just kind of because it kind of did bring some of the joy back into training. Yeah. Um, and I think that way you can actually discover some some new machines and things like that that you maybe you haven't you've you've fallen out of love with or you haven't tried or something like that. Yeah, I, I often do that with my own training. Actually, I call it like a bonus session. So like my training program that I'm on right now that I wrote for myself, which I have to say, I really enjoy the training I've written myself at the moment. <laughs> Not to blow my own trumpet, but I did a great job on that. No, but- when I go in and do my session, I'm like, well done you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going, I, I, it's actually, it's really lovely. Like I'm going through one of those phases at the moment where I feel really engaged with my own training, but doesn't always feel like that at all. And I went through about a year, actually. I think that was sort of like 20, 2021, after the pandemic, when the gyms opened, for about a year, I just couldn't get into it in the same Mm -hmm. way that I used to be. So now I'm really grateful to be like loving it again. But I think that's the other thing. If you're not feeling it at the moment, it will come back. Don't force it. It will come back. I just, again, I threw myself into running. I threw myself into other types of training, went to classes to see if there was something else I enjoyed. Lo and behold, I've come back to weightlifting because I really love it. Um, I think um, you mentioned before about tracking your lifts. And I will, yes, I'll always say definitely like write down what you're lifting each week. Like have, even if it's in your phone, like I just write it in my phone in the notes, but I also write little notes to myself. Like I'll put after a session, like fucking amazing session (laughs) or like this felt great. Or I'll tell myself off as well. I'll be like, (laughs) I'll be like, you lifted that like shit, sort that out next week. But I actually like when I come to the next week, I'll look at those notes because I can't remember what I really was doing last week really unless it was a really terrible session but actually looking at those notes I'm like all oh, right it gives me some cues to things to work on for the next session yeah no. um, which I find really helpful yeah no I like that because the thing is you don't ever remember do you when you go back in I also sometimes used to when I'm really geeking out on this stuff I'd actually make notes as to what I ate pre-workout or the day before mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. sometimes that would help me and I think that's a that's another point, actually, about making the most of your workouts is what you eat. Like, number one, maybe eating before you train. Um, I don't want to make this podcast too much about nutrition. So what I'm actually going to say at this point is I have just made for clients a resource on like a little presentation um, on pre and post workout nutrition and how, I mean, they've had resources before, but this one, like how as, as an idiot's guide to optimizing it, like in our kind of usual style of, do you know what, you don't have to be super anal and meticulous about it like bodybuilders are necessarily. But if you can employ some of these principles, like eat these macros, maybe there's some food suggestions in there, how far out from training versus what type of carbohydrate to eat, that kind of stuff. If you want to know more about that, just pop me a message on Instagram at girlgainsblog or send me an email, laurabaker at girl-gains.com and just say that you don't even have to, you don't have to chat to me if you don't want to, but you can just say podcast nutrition guide, please, or like pre-workout guide, please. And I will send you the link to that presentation if you want it, just so that we don't have to, I kind of just want to keep this one in the gym rather than the kitchen. Yeah. I've watched that presentation. It's very good. So yeah. Thank you. (laughs) That's how I made that on a Friday night. That's how I spend my Friday nights, guys. Wild, wild. I spend my Friday nights in the gym. (laughs) Also wild. (laughs) I stopped going to the gym on a. I mean, it doesn't really happen so much nowadays, actually. But you know, when a couple of years ago, I had to stop going to the gym on Friday nights because it was like singles night, and people kept trying to talk to me I think oh, people definitely. thought if you're in the gym on a Friday night that you must be clearly single because why else would you be there <laughs> nothing else to do <laughs> Friday Saturday nights um okay so uh Lucy another one something that you could do to make the most of your workouts and progress your training um so I think um I want to talk a little bit about 
rep range. I think people people always kind of search for that perfect rep range. Um, it doesn't exist. There is no perfect rep range for um, for building muscle. I think when people try uh, are trying to get stronger, then working in a lower rep range tends to do that. But I would say if you want to grow muscle, you should be working to failure or as close to failure as you can get, about one or two reps out from failure. And when we talk about failure, we mean the inability to lift the weight for another rep, but you literally couldn't pick it up. Or if you were to lift that weight again, your form would be shit. Basically, you can't lift the weight with good form. Yeah, like if it was a bicep curl, you're swinging around all over the place or your squats will start becoming partial reps like that all you know your yeah. form's gonna if you're working close to failure your form is not going to be pretty come the end your face is going to be even less pretty probably um but you know it shouldn't be you don't really want to keep going when you're at the risk of things being bad yeah and I think that's the thing like I know that on some exercises um, you you won't feel safe to go to failure some I don't go to failure on certain exercises because I don't feel safe to do that um you know actual mechanical failure where I cannot lift it again I don't want to get in in a squat and have that on my back to be yeah. honest so that's why we'd say work a couple of reps out from failure yeah do you know what actually if I'm in that kind of frame of mind where I know I really want to push to failure on a particular exercise or I'm really trying to progress well this can work quite well actually to people that are quite new to training to failure go mm. and choose choose machines over free weights because you know if you fell on a chest press machine same movement same muscles being recruited but if you fell on that machine where you let go and it clangs back in the thing if you let go of the bench the bar (laughs) when you're on a bench press or you got to you know you're getting stuck under it and you've got to do that awkward thing where you shout to someone to get it off of you so if you are a bit scared of pushing near failure machines can be a really great way to test that with low risk yeah machines are awesome like I would never go to failure on a natural barbell squat but I do go to failure on like a pendulum squat because the only thing that's bruised is my ego when I, you know, when I climb out from under the machine. Have you ever failed on a barbell squat though? No, this is something else I wanted to mention because the thing is you hear about these exercises that are like optimal for muscle growth. And I would say, yes, in terms of like studies, some are more optimal, but I would say it's very personal because the things that are optimal for muscle growth are the ones that you can push yourself on. Mm. And for me, I, I just, I do not like barbell squats and the fear of having that bar on my neck will mean I'll never push myself. Yeah. You know? So like when people compare, like, for example, like a, a front squat and a back squat for like quad growth, the, the back squat's going to always win because you, you know, like on a front squat, your shoulders are going to give out, your core is going to give out before your legs ever will. But for me personally, I've gone to failure on front squats easily, happily, yeah. because it's just, I just you know, let the bar come off me. But on a back squat, I'll never push myself to that. Yeah. So I think that's kind of those things, those optimal exercises, it, it has to be optimal for you. Yeah, I think like, and that that's the thing as well, like, and your anatomy, limb length, yes. socket depth, you know, especially when, when we're talking about the squat, all of that stuff will come into it. Like the squat actually might not, like for me, if you watch me squat, because of my limb leg, I've got the world's longest femur, so like thigh bone. No, I'm going to, no, no. I think I'm going to compete with you in that. (laughs) (laughs) Bloody femurs. (laughs) To be fair, we're actually quite similar in terms of like stature and limb length, aren't we? So my arms are definitely longer than yours. I challenge anyone to, but do you know what? Deadlifts are great with my arms. I've barely got to bend down and my knuckles are like scraping the ground. So deadlifts are a great exercise for me. Shock. I'm, I'm strong in a deadlift I'm not in a squat and a big part of that is because of my structure and squats actually for me if I push near failure on a squat because of how the the my limb length and also the lack of basically flexion that I have in my hips it just puts yeah. me into a position that's really not not very good I'm at very high risk of injury for very minimal return so when you are talking about these like exercises and again all this stuff will go if you've got a good coach all of this stuff will be going into your program without you even realizing it's gone in there Mm -hmm. but you know you're always looking at cost versus reward of an exercise 
Um, yeah. So yeah, again, like, I don't push. I actually don't even squat anymore because it was like if I do heavy squats, will I then have hip pain for days afterwards? Yeah. So it's just not worth it for me because it fucks up the rest of my session, you know? Um, yeah, and that's it, isn't it? It's like you, to a certain extent, you have to, if you want to grow a certain body part, there might be things that you, you're going to do that you don't particularly enjoy, like your Bulgarian, what did you say? Shit squat. 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 There might be things that you don't particularly enjoy, um, but you're never going to push yourself on those. If you, you know, if you dread going to the gym um, because you've chosen exercises, because maybe you feel like you have to do them, you know, someone told you you have to do barbell back squat to grow legs or whatever, or grow your glutes, which people say, you, you don't. You just no. have to choose what's what's best for you. Yeah. That being said, though, you shouldn't just pick the exercises you like that's the risk <laughs> yeah because we tend to you know so, and, and what Lucy's saying is absolutely right but I think also you know sometimes like classic example I don't know if she even listens to this podcast but I used to have a client called Sonia I'm sure she won't mind me telling you this story so she she said to me I put hip thrusts in her program Laura I'm not doing them I hate hip thrusts I said well can you just do them and film them and send them across to me so I can have a look at them she said, yeah, of course. She was great for that. She always filmed her training, always sent it to me. And I watched her do these hip thrusts in the video. And I thought, Jesus Christ, no wonder you hate hip thrusts. Your back's in a really compromised position. You're using a conventional bench, which is actually way too high for you in that hip thrust. Okay. Your foot position's a bit off. Anyway, made I said to her, you know, lower the weight, go back, put these tweaks into place. Anyway, she did that. Oh, that felt much better. Anyway, fast forward three months, Sonia, I don't know if she's still doing a hip thrust now, but you know, by the time we finished coaching together, Sonia loved hip thrusts. And she went from going, I can't do them. They hurt my back. I don't like them. To I think the heaviest, what she was sending me, like 65 kilo hip thrusts within a couple of months. Nice. Some mega progression. And because she was doing that, well, guess what? Now her ass is having to work properly and a bit harder in the sessions and pain three, it starts growing. So... I think, again, like don't fall into that trap of just doing the exercises that you feel safe in. You don't feel like a bullock in, you know what I mean? Like all of this stuff, because sometimes the, the exercises that we don't enjoy are actually the ones that we need the most. I always liken that to when I did injure my hip and my physio gave me all these exercises to do. And I felt like such a prat doing them in the gym and they really hurt. And I had to screw up my face and I'd be like sweating. Do you know what I mean? Like they were the most stupidest little things with like a resistance band. They were so boring, but I needed them the most. Yeah. Um, so I actually think, you know, that being said, you don't have to do the ones that you really, really hate. But I will never just let a client say to me, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. You know, I will always respect a client's opinion and input. But I'm always that I'm that annoying little pain in the ass that goes, why can you film it and send it to me? Mm. I've seen it before. It's not just with Sonia. I've seen it with other clients where, yeah. you know, I mean, exercises they used to love become ones they enjoy because now they they persevered and got good at them. I think that's actually a really good point. You you should definitely be filming your training, even if it's just for yourself, like even if you don't have a coach, because, you know, that kind of three second negative that you're using, it's not, is it? When you when you watch it back and you're like, oh, that was really fast. But yeah. even things like that, like the tempo that you're using, um, your form that it might feel okay and actually have a look at it. Or again, like with that hip thrust, immediately when you saw that video you you figured out okay I know exactly why you hate this because actually we need to tweak form here so it could just be a form thing it could be like a like a how you're actually executing the movement yeah yeah that's it and, and it just and sometimes what you think you're doing is absolutely not what you're doing I've even done it sometimes where I've gone to film things to send a client for me and I'm like well, hang on, no, you're not like, <laughs> your back's not where you thought it was in that movement. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it, but it is the only way, because it's not always appropriate to stare at yourself in the mirror when you're training, you know, sometimes your chin needs to be tucked. God, the amount of times I get sent a video of someone doing RDLs and I'm like, if you're going to look at yourself in the mirror, look with your gaze, not with your head, like you're throwing your spine all out of line. You know, sometimes you shouldn't be watching yourself in the mirror training. You should yeah. actually, you know, eyes down gaze down or whatever as appropriate so filming the training which can seem daunting 
But you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to be one of those idiots that whips out the tripod in the middle. That seems to be the trend now, by the way. It's like you literally have to like, you know, duck and weave your way through. Well, I do in my gym anyway. I have to duck and weave my way through to avoid being on someone's bloody TikTok. <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm like, hello, it's six a.m. I look like shit. Like. <laughs> Say what? I can always reassure the people in my gym if they end up being in my videos, I always blur out their face because like, I don't want to end up in someone else's video. So I'm like, I'll blur you out. Don't worry. There was a girl next to me the other day, and she was obviously filming. She had a tripod set up next to the stairmaster, and I was on the stairmaster like next to her. And you know when you're like, I'm really oh, unclear no. if I'm in the shot now, but like. There's if there's one place, there's several places in life I don't want people to see me. One of them's on the toilet, and the other one's on the stairmaster. To be honest, we don't need we don't need close up footage of my face whilst I'm doing that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she, but she had it filming her on the stairmaster the entire time. So yeah. where was it filming her from? Like from yeah, she from had it back. on kind of like. I've seen people make reels like it, to be fair. Yeah. But it was just kind of like that slightly backside angle. But obviously being okay. one, I, d- I might not have been in the shot. I might be thinking far too much of myself. She might have been like, Jesus Christ, we don't want that gremlin <laughs> in my shot. <laughs> but either way, it was making me feel very uncomfortable. But what I'm saying is you don't have to be, you know, Terry Tripod in there. You can just plop it down next to your water bottle discreetly mm. on the floor and only you ever sees that video, you know, but it is really helpful, I think, to watch your own training back. Yeah, definitely. It's also a really nice way to see your progress, actually. Like I posted something on my story the other day, like one of my clients, the first squat she ever sent me, which was like a goblet squat with a dumbbell where we had to elevate her heels on on plates to get the range in her ankles to, you know, a really, really decent 70 kilo back squat with nice little pauses and good depth at the bottom. And so actually it was really fun to, you know, we so often look at progress pictures. We don't look at when like the progress comes on in training, which is actually really cool to see and look back on as well. But yeah, I can't even remember. Sorry, I think I took us off on a tangent. How did we get here? What were we t- How did we? So we started talking about we're talking about um, certain exercises you don't have to do, but also not cutting things out, or or not just going for your favourites, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and then filming yourself in case it's a form thing. Yeah. Which I'd say, I, this is the other thing I would say that although you do want to be progressing. And in order to build muscle, you need to be going for progressive overload. So you either need to be lifting over time, more weight or um, more reps or better form with the same weight. But I would say you should be prioritizing form over the weight that you're lifting. If you're lifting a weight with crappy form, then actually you're really doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I always like to think of it. If you had a load of delivery men carrying a sofa, although me, as soon as I say that, right, in that Friends episode where they're like, pivot. 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 <laughs> it popped into my head. But, you know. The bit that I just thought of was Rachel when she's like, I mean, this is really hard. Not for me because I'm not really doing anything, but for you guys. Yeah. Well, so Rachel, <laughs> in that analogy, right, the rest of it, like, if you put the weight up, and your glutes don't get involved quite so much because you put the weight up. They've now become Rachel in that <laughs> scenario. Do you know what I mean? They're doing less of the work, so they're not going to grow. Oh, I yeah. love how that little analogy just evolved. But yeah, I think it is. And and on the subject of progressive overload as well, guys, don't think that that means that you know on every single exercise it has to go up, and it doesn't have to go up on every single body part as well. So, for example, I am on my my butt has grown a lot over the years. It's probably yeah, but still it's still growing a little bit. But I'm on a permanent quest to get bigger glutes. Like I can never foresee oh, a time. Yeah. yeah. So you know I always want bigger glutes. But I'll be honest, my upper body, I don't really want any more mass than, you know, at the risk of sounding like one of those, I don't want to get too big. Like genuinely, I don't, I don't want my lats to get any wider. I'm now at that point where actually, because I've got lats and a little bit of body fat on top of them, bras are quite, I mean, I don't wear a bra half the time anyway, I'll be honest. I'm very team free the nipple, but you know, (laughs) bras are uncomfortable. Anyway, tangents, I don't want any bigger lats. I do want a bigger ass. So I will focus on increasing the load 
and the volume on my glute exercises or any exercises involving the lower body in my program. But I'm not so bothered about that when I'm doing exercises for my back. I'll go in and do the same weight, the same, you know, I want to maintain the mass that I've got. So I'll do, you know, the the same four sets of eight, three sets of 10, whatever it is in that particular program. And I, I won't worry about applying progressive overload there. I'll just pick a weight that, you know, I kind of know I can handle. So if you are looking to grow certain body parts and not others, it's my favorite thing about training. It puts you in control. You're creating your sculpture, right? And that's what, that's what bodybuilding is as well. To an extent, it's not just about that stepping on the stage. You're building your body, you're creating it. And if you know what you're doing, you can, you can do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, just to say, when we're talking about progressive overload, you know, on those exercises, I'm not progressively overloading those muscles because I'm not bothered about them getting stronger or bigger. So yeah. it's only on those those muscle groups that you're worried about that. But yeah, if you want a muscle group to get smaller, stop training it, <laughs> you know, or really pull back on it. If you want to keep it ticking over as it is, like my back, you just have to maintain those loads. And if you want it to grow, yes, you need to be applying progressive overload. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here's another one that I just want to throw out there. Gym aids, Lucy. As in, not diseases you pick up in the gym, but I'm talking about... After, after you, you've used a bench, right? Right, someone's done squat squats. <laughs> I'm not wiped it down properly. No, Number I'm... one, dysentery. <laughs> now, I'm talking about things like lifting straps. Oh, okay, yeah. What are your thoughts and when should somebody bring in... When should somebody bring in straps to the equation? Oh, okay. I use lifting straps for everything. I use them for my RDLs. I use them for my lat pull downs. I use them for my my rowing. I also use them for my leg extensions to hold me in the seat. Um, Hang on a minute. Where do you put them? Do you loop them on the the thing? The handles. Ah, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Um, Because I think eventually when, you know, if you're lifting quite heavy weight, it will bring you out of the seat my leg extension my gym doesn't have a, a seat belt or anything like that so I know some do um but and I'm gonna be honest my grip's really shit yeah. so actually to kind of like really um kind of anchor myself in the seat I'll use uh, lifting straps to yeah. hold hold on um and that means you know I'm using less of my upper body and and I can recruit more muscle fibers in my legs to lift the weight yeah um Honestly, with lifting straps, if you're a power lifter and you're training for a competition, you probably want to not use them. You you probably want to work on your grip strength. If you're a bodybuilder, uh, I don't think there's any need to really work on our grip strength. Um, <laughs> you're not cheating by yeah. using them. And especially as a female, like, because again, when you're working on grip strength, that's going to help grow, like, put tension through forearms somewhat as well I've never ever ever once in 10 years of doing this had someone come to me and say I wish I had bigger forearms (laughs) so I don't really think that's an issue but you know some people will say you need to improve your grip strength and again if you're just starting out in the gym you don't need to worry about straps or anything but actually it will get to a point for most people where like my legs can handle a lot more than I can grip so and it's that's an issue. It. Yeah. So you know, though, basically, lifting straps will just take a bit of that pressure off. Um, so I, I definitely recommend them to clients that are sort of plateauing with stuff, especially rows and yeah, like you said, things like RDLs or anything where you've got to hang on to a bar for an extended period of time. I think they can be really, really helpful. I always have lifting straps yeah. in my gym bag. There's a question. What's in yeah. your gym bag, Lucy? Oh, um, okay. I've got lifting straps. Yeah. I've got I've got chalk as well. So some people might prefer chalk um, to lifting straps. I have uh, ankle straps for like kickbacks and stuff because I don't want to share the ones in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it as well because I train in a pure gym. So half the time you don't know where they are. So you can oh, get them on yeah. Amazon. They're so cheap as well. I think mine were like £6 on Amazon for like little cuffs that I can use to do like cable lap raises. I've got my own little set of carabiner clips as well that were like 10 pounds because they always seem to go walkies as well. So, and I just cannot be bothered traipsing around the gym trying to find them. So I have- That's like, I've got, um, I've got barbell clips as well. I bought some plus ones. 
yeah the plastic ones yeah because again like sometimes they're not available I don't know what what someone's done with them but to try and find a barbell clip is so annoying so yeah I've got those in my bag as well yeah my airpods of course <laughs> I got I, it sounds really weird I've got sugar-free squash you know like the little Robinsons like drops that you get in a bottle I've got one of those in my gym bag because sometimes, I mean, there are studies actually that show like having a sweet mouth rinse, even just the taste of something sweet can improve performance in the gym. But honestly, sometimes it's just because I know I need to hydrate during a workout and I don't like the taste of water that much, especially from that water. I'm going to sound like such a little princess now, but the water (laughs) fountain in there, I just really don't like the taste of the the, I don't because everywhere has different water, don't they? So I also have yeah. to wash in mine. Random. Ours is our water fountain's warm. Oh no, it's no. warm. Can't have warm water. No, isn't it funny though? Like when you've done like cardio or you're really like hot, ice cold water is like the best thing ever. It really is. Yeah, yeah. so refreshing. <laughs> it's so random. Sorry, but yeah, notice neither of us have gym gloves in our. Uh, Oh, give me the calluses. Yeah. I love the calluses. (laughs) You know what? I just, my own personal opinion on it, unless, unless you do a job which involves you rubbing your hands on people, like I get it if you're like a masseuse or something like Mm. that, like nobody wants crusty calluses rubbing over their back when they've gone for a nice spa massage. (laughs) But actually I just let your hands toughen up. Like, yes, it's the same as like, it really annoys me when I see people squatting with one of those like foam pads on the bar, you know, like the hip thrust pads, because all it's doing is stopping you pulling that bar down into your lats, packing in nice and tight. It's actually making it harder for you to squat because now you're focusing on stopping that bar rolling down off of you. So if that is you, like what I would actually look to do, you can keep a hoodie on to start or a thicker top. Just toughen yourself up like gradually to be able because mm. your squat will improve massively from that. There are certain things think, in the gym I just think you need to suck it up a little bit and toughen. Stop up. training like a pussy. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, like with the barbell as well. You know, people are like, I don't like it being on my neck. It shouldn't be on your neck. That's yeah. not where it should yeah. be. It should be lower than that, but you won't be able to feel where it should be unless you're able, like think about a barbell squat. It's a full body exercise that you should be really locking in your upper back as well. So there's, there's certain things where it's like, it it hurts probably because it's in the wrong place as well. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, all that is doing is making it a logistical nightmare that bar pad thing i um, can't stand it when i see people do that and they do it when i need it for hip thrusts yeah can i one time you actually really yeah i fully yeah. you know if you should always use a pad for hip thrust. have you ever had to try and do hip thrust when without a pad or without a jumper or something wrapped around it so painful not not without not without anything like i've used like a rolled up yoga mat and stuff but it's not it's not it's same. not good yeah no it's not good yeah, the I, one thing I will go on. Sorry, no, no, go on. You were gonna say. No, I was gonna, I was gonna move on to something else. I, I'm about gym aids, gym care. About your gym aids. <laughs> but I don't want to interrupt you. What no, were you gonna I say? I think I was only gonna say I used to. I actually bought one of those um, barbell pads that's in my bigger gym bag as well because my old gym it wasn't always available. They only had one, so I just ended up getting my own because. Mm-hmm. that's annoying isn't it if you've not got weight for it I think that's yeah. the thing like if in doubt if there are things at your gym you don't mind spending a little bit of cash like have a look on Amazon you can get most stuff so so much cheaper and it makes your session so much less stressful if you've got yeah. your own stuff with you the other thing I was going to say about gym attire let's say is if you're doing especially leg day if you're doing your leg day in spongy trainers oh, this is a good one get them off your feet and like you like, nobody would go for a run in lifting shoes with a wedge would they nobody would go for a run down the road in lifting shoes yeah. so your running trainers have no place in the gym <laughs> I wear running trainers in the gym sometimes when I'm training upper body upper body I think is okay I think if you need some stability like 
maybe if you're doing something like a bench press because you really need to push your feet into the ground they're not the best yeah but upper body like I, i'll wear them for that and again it depends I'm not, like i said i'm not trying to progress my upper body training right now like yeah. I, it's quite lackluster you know i enjoy it but it's not my focus point if it was i'd probably wear appropriate footwear to grind myself like lucy said yeah. but yeah leg day. yeah your feet i mean like your feet are part of the whole lift actually the lift should start actually at your foot and you need really three points of contact like think of your foot as like a tripod so actually like really ground if you grind your your big toe into the floor and that's going to create a really nice arch and a really um, nice solid base because mm. if you ever go if you've ever had like back pain or hip pain or anything like that and you go to a physio they'll look at your feet because often those issues they start at your feet. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're never going to get that stability on something like a deadlift or a squat if you're sort of essentially standing on a duvet or a mattress yeah. when you're doing it. Yeah, it's really true. It is. It's like doing them on marshmallows, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a really, that's actually a really, really good point. And that's probably why, you know, if you've ever wondered why people are taking the shoes off for deadlifts and stuff, that's why mm-hmm. to grind them into the yeah. floor, to drive their feet into the floor a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, lifting shoes, in case anybody's listening to this and wondering, the reason people use those for not, not deadlifts, you don't want to use your lifting shoes, but for like squats is because they've got a really hard, solid base and they have a slight wedge in them. And that slight wedge is great if you've got shit mobility in your ankles or it just gives you that extra bit of mobility in your ankles. So for folding up for things like leg presses and squats, they can help with that. But again, like get to a point where you kind of peak and then you can worry about investing in lifting shoes. But straps I would get before shoes. Just get a decent pair of trainers that you know you've got, you know, there are weightlifting trainers out there but mm-hmm. you don't want to be like you know trying to squat in your bubbly air maxes as great as they look they're not good yeah. for, for like anything with like a, a flat sole is mm-hmm. decent yeah just you know just being even like a pair of converse if, yeah you know, better than that you don't have to invest in, in really expensive shoes yeah i think this is quite interesting about like the straps because we both said you know invest in that but i would like to ask you your opinion on a lifting belt Okay, yeah. So <laughs> uh, a lifting belt is great if you know how to use it properly, can become a problem if you rely on it, if I had to make a sweeping yeah. statement on it. So if your form is already good, you know how to pop properly, I can't talk today, you know how to properly brace your core, a lifting belt can just really help you to feel more stable and secure in squats and deadlifts. However, if you're putting on a lifting belt because you've got a bit of back pain and it makes you feel better for that or, you know, well, all it can do sometimes actually is exacerbate poor form, the lifting belt, because people kind of rely on it or lean into it. But I don't know, would your opinion differ to to that? No, I I think exactly the same. I think um, I don't use one. Um, I think for me... I have tried them before, but I'm, I'm more, for me, I'm more able to brace my core when I haven't got something around there. I can focus on it more. And I think actually that's one of those things where you need to let your core strength build up and you need to learn that stuff. And I would say it's definitely not essential. Again, if you're, if you're a power lifter and you're doing like a one rep max, then yeah. But uh, um, if you're not able to kind of squat your body weight, I would say learn how to squat your body weight first without, without a, a, belt and then maybe if you want to go further than that you can think about it yeah that's it I I would say like I definitely wouldn't rule them out I definitely think they're good and if you are like I said going into powerlifting or something you know when you're working at real heavy loads with I think it can be useful by that point though you will have built up a certain amount of core strength anyway and you should have to have done that before it's to give you that little bit of extra security it's not there to help you through the lift it's not a spot (laughs) effectively um speaking of spots actually that's one we haven't touched on training partners Mm. and I would say a training partner evaluation is key if you want to progress in your workouts right and I'll tell you what I mean by that now I train by myself actually I don't really like training with people at the risk of sounding really antisocial, but it's because my training is my me time um however if actually you know, some of the best training that I've had 
has been when I've had a good training partner. And I think, you know, there really is a lot of merit and a lot of power to having a good training partner, someone that can spot you properly, someone that knows when they can push you, when they can tell you to back off. And this is where actually, you know, a good personal trainer in person is worth their weight in gold, somebody that, you know, can take you through all of that stuff. But if not, you know, there might be a great training partner for you out there. Like when I used to train my friend Nat, who I've had on this podcast a few times, she was an amazing training partner, not least because she was like a little bit stronger than me, but not so much stronger that it was out of reach, but enough that it was aspirational. Does, does that make sense? So I could always just chase yeah. her a bit on the weights. And she knew where she could push me. She knew where when I was going to fail. You know, you just get to know each other quite well. And it it is handy having a good spot there. However, what I would actually say is, and I don't want to make sweeping generalizations here, but this is definitely one I see more amongst women than men in the gym, because men tend to train together a bit more, is a bad training partner is someone that just chats to you the whole session and you can't, you don't actually get any training done. And sometimes that's all right. Like very often I'll go and train with one of my friends called Hannah, who's actually, you know, she's PT herself. But we know that when we get together, we're not having a beastie training session. We know we're having a natter with a few leg extensions. Do you know what I mean by that? Um, But if that's becoming every session because your friend talks to you nonstop, start training by yourself because they're holding you back in training. I don't know if that sounds really savage, like, but if you're looking to progress, I think it is worth doing a training partner evaluation. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I think your training partner should, they should push you. And they should definitely motivate you. There should be like, for me, it's like a a slight element of competition. I think that is why it's nice to train with someone who's stronger than you. Because every week you're kind of like trying to push each other. Well, you're trying to push yourself to be better than that person. (laughs) But it it helps, right? It's kind of like a nice bit of friendly competition. Um, And I think as well, they get to know you and and like when you might need a spot. Because that's the other thing that uh, winds me up. When I see people spotting each other on every single rep. And I'm like, he's doing that for you yeah like like, stop touching that the The difference between a spot versus someone that actually does it for you as well like but the thing is like when you go to like PT school I mean it's been more over 10 years since I went but they teach you how to spot like there is actually a way to spot properly as well it's a real skill though knowing when to come in for someone especially if it was always like some people have real poker face like you don't know when they're gonna fail at all it's yeah. really hard to work it out and then other people will look like they're about to give birth on their third rep when they've got numbers <laughs> in the tank you know what I mean <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah it's always a, a risk but if you if you train with someone regularly you know right you know when they're yeah. going to fail or how many they can do yeah there was one last thing actually that I just wanted to touch on because I'm conscious that we've hit an hour in this already like which I knew it would fly through when we start talking about training But there's one last thing that I wanted to just bring up, and that's breathing through your sets. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk through how to breathe through a set, Lucy? Okay. So, um, yeah, this is really interesting because I was actually thinking about this. I was thinking about this (laughs) this week. (laughs) Finally, you mentioned that. So, So, I'll talk about I'll talk about heavy lifts first and what I like to do for heavy lifts. If I'm doing a heavy squat or a heavy RDL, I imagine I'm in a swimming pool. And what I do is I take a big belly breath in. So the breath should come from um, your diaphragm. It shouldn't be a chest breath. It should be in your belly. Really be- big belly breath in and then brace your core as if someone's going to punch you. And in the you hold in the stomach, <laughs> not the face or elsewhere. So you, as you're standing up, you've got the bar on your back. You take a big breath in. You hold your breath and go down as if you're sitting down in a swimming pool going underwater. And then when you come up, you breathe the air out. And that's to make sure that your core is really nice and supported and full of air because then it's going to be more stable. So that's how I breathe in a heavy squat or deadlift. And I literally think I'm going underwater. So you can't breathe in because you're underwater. And then when you come up, you breathe out. Um, do you want to do you want to touch on the other like lighter lifts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, lighter lifts, you don't have to think about it quite so much. But general principle is that you want to exhale as you contract a muscle. 
So you mm-hmm. want to inhale when that muscle's lengthening and you want to exhale as that muscle contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you kind of keep that in your mind throughout any of your training sessions. So if we think of like a bicep curl, breathe in on the way down, exhale mm-hmm. as that bar comes up. Yeah. And it actually really helps though when you do it to kind of like push if you think about pushing through yeah. a rack. And the thing is you want to be getting oxygen into the blood in around the muscles. Like it really, really helps. Like it's not because you're gonna run out with run out of breath, although I disagree actually. Yeah, don't if you're, walking, if you're doing walking lunges or lunges or like if you're doing a heavy <laughs> set of squats, it's very often you can end up running out of breath. But it's actually more just to, again, get oxygen to those muscles to help because, you know, you're placing that immediate strength demand on them. Um, So, yeah, I think breathing is, you know, quite often when clients send training videos, I'll pull them up on the breathing because when things get hard, people's natural tendency is to hold the breath. And actually, make it even harder for yourself then if you're holding your breath. So you've got to learn to kind of breathe through it properly. It makes quite a big difference. It's quite funny because it becomes a bit of a running joke if you train beginners because they're like, oh, I forgot to breathe. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Please breathe next set. (laughs) Please don't keel over mid-set. Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, just remember to breathe. I think as well, like if you're not doing a super, super heavy lift, you don't have to worry about the the swimming pool thing. But I find that quite useful to learn how to Right. It's a skill bracing in itself is a skill mm. i like that cue of imagining someone is going to punch you in the stomach and you're trying to make mm. it kind of as hard as possible yeah. so on that note we need to wrap up this podcast but to finish lucy yes. what is if you had to pick two exercises your absolute favorite exercise currently oh. and then oh. your least favorite exercise currently what are oh. they I don't want to choose my favorite. Um, okay. Um, favorite exercise currently is, I don't want to choose Laura. They're all of them. I, I love them all. They're all my children. <laughs> it's like um, my favorite Haribo sweet. <laughs> why are you making me choose? Um, probably a single arm lap pull down. Oh, I'm enjoying that. In there. Yeah. I'm enjoying that at the moment. And I'm also enjoying, I'm loving and hating pendulum squats, but I'm, I'm enjoying uh, getting better at them. I'd say they're my two favourites at the moment. Ah, what's your least favourite? What do you hate? Always biceps. Isn't it? Always biceps. I hate training biceps, but I do them because I have to do them because I'm a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I hate it. I what about you? Oh, I love a bicep curl. It's not my favourite. I'm actually... For the first time ever, the risk of sounding like my client, Sonia, I'm really enjoying hip thrust currently. Actually. Yeah. I'm going through a love hip thrust phase. I go through a love-hate relationship. Me, we have quite a rocky, toxic relationship, me and hip thrust, but at the moment <laughs> we're in a good patch. Um, and then my least favorite exercise, or oh, there's nothing I really, really hate right now. Actually, do you know what? It always used to be my favorite exercise and it's now my least favorite and that's a leg extension because the leg extension machine at Pure Gym is horrible. I still do them because they still, I get all right connection, but the angle of the seat and then, you know, I've played around with putting a yoga block in and all that jazz. But yeah, it's actually, it's a shame because it just goes to show actually a machine can turn something from being one of your faves into yeah. like least favorite exercise that and bulgarian shit squats <laughs> i will always, hate them. i will always hate them i can yeah, remember the time when we'll be happy together but yeah hey ho yeah. anyway yeah. on that note thank you very much lucy for rambling with me for the last hour and thank you everybody for listening and we will catch you in the next episode <laughs>